Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about the Build Something Weekly newsletter. It is weekly, it is free, and you will get tips, tricks, and tools delivered directly to your mailbox. I will recap the current week's episode and all of the takeaways. I'll give you a top story, content I wrote, and then some recommendation that I've been using that I think you should check out. So it is free. It is weekly. It's over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Go ahead and sign up over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 211 of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? The podcast offering actionable tech tips for small business owners. That's the new tagline that I'm working with. Uh, Today, our sponsors are Text Expander, Restrict Content Pro, and MindSize. MindSize being of note here because my guest today is the CEO of MindSize. His name is Patrick Garman. Patrick, how are you today? I am great today. It's a little chilly in Texas. It's not why I moved here, but uh, (laughs) we're getting past that. Awesome. As, as somebody who was born and raised in the Northeast, what is a little chilly in Texas? Um, I think today it's 60s-ish. Uh, it's been bouncing between okay. 40s and 60s. I grew up in Illinois, so I definitely know what okay. cold is. Yeah, you know um, what cold is, yeah. And that's why we don't live in Illinois anymore. Yes. Uh, I've been trying to talk my... So it's currently... It feels like 34 here right now. Uh, I've been trying to talk my wife into, because as we record this, we just got dumped on like 10 inches of snow. Uh, I've been trying to talk her into moving to Texas, as a matter of fact. And uh, she was like, what about like California with all your California friends or whatever, or or her brothers (laughs) in the the Navy? And I'm like, well, we'll get like taxed to oblivion in California. It's too too expensive out there. I can summarize it very quickly for you how to decide where to move. Um, All right. North half of the country, too cold. So you got to be lower half. Southeast, too humid. Southwest is either California or desert. Don't want to live in California for taxes and all those reasons. Don't want to live in a desert. Pretty much leaves Texas. So then within Texas, tech guys are usually going to be near bigger cities. So you got DFW, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. Houston still got that humidity. Uh, Mm -hmm. San Antonio is a bit too far south. Gets a bit warmer than I care for. Austin is not much of a travel hub, uh, but right. it's still a kind of a great place. I love visiting, would never live there. That okay. leaves DFW. All right. Within DFW, uh, Dallas is too busy. Fort Worth is really calm and relaxed. Now we live in Fort Worth. All right. There you have. See, we can end <laughs> the episode right here. Where do you live? Fort Worth. Yeah. I have. I am being pulled towards Houston, of course, because our friends uh, Chris Lemma and Sean Hesketh both live there. Yeah. And uh, my favorite cigar shop, Stogie's, is there. It's like uh, Stogie's World Class Cigars. Three hour drive from Fort Worth. And okay. you know, give it 10, 20 years. There's that bullet train or fast train they're putting in. Yeah. Uh, so it's not too far. Austin's right in the yeah. middle, too. There you go. But it's three, I, uh, three hours, not too bad. That's how that's the drive to my parents' house here from near Philadelphia to an hour north of New York City. So yeah. at the end of the day, though, in the winter, Texas is about 20 degrees warmer than Illinois. In the summer, it's 5 to 10 degrees warmer than Illinois. So during Mm. the winter, what that means is when you're getting 10 inches of snow, it's chilly here. Yeah. During the summer, you're really hot and have your air conditioning on. In Texas, we're really hot and we have air conditioning on. 
exact same. Yep, I like that. See, that's <laughs> another. Uh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna present the uh, the evidence again to my wife. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the only problem. I'll say, this will be the last thing, and then we'll get we'll talk e-commerce after this. Uh, is if I do move to Texas, right? Uh, say I, I live near Houston. I am a diehard Yankee fan, <laughs> and I will be in Houston Astros territory. And I don't. And that would be like me moving to Boston, as far as I'm concerned. Now, so I don't know. It's tough choices. I know, I know. Baseball. Uh, all right. I see you're a baseball fan. You got the Cubs pennant in the background yeah, there. I was a Cubs fan before they won the World Series uh, when they were nice. losers. Uh, <laughs> my family's all Cubs fans. Uh, my yeah. mom, I think, has a little ID card from, I think, my great-grandma or her great-grandma that says Cubs fan for life. So Nice. We've all been Cubs Very fans. Very nice. Very nice. Another thing I see in the background there is uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Of course. And Beaker. Yeah. So we were introduced. Uh, you brought this up in the pre-show, so you can relay this story, but I remember it well. Uh, Lindsay Miller, friend of the show, uh, introduced us at Post Status Publish. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I forget which one it was or where we were. I, I know it was the big garage uh, space, and I was talking to Lindsay and I think I was telling her something about how my wife and I were married in Disney. And uh, she's like, have you met Joe? Like, I, I knew who Joe was, but uh, she brought me over, introduced us, and here we are. So that was a couple of years yeah. ago. I made it sound like it was <laughs> immediate, but... Yeah, no, that was... Yeah, gosh, well, it feels like a lifetime ago now. So, yeah, the Big Garage one, that must have been um, uh, Atlanta, right? Yeah, Atlanta. Because uh, the first one was... Cold and in Philadelphia. Actually, it was unseasonably warm for Philadelphia uh, the year that WordCamp US, the first year of WordCamp US, but uh, not as warm as Atlanta in August. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but this is, uh, I'm really glad to have you on the show. And, and of course, um, MindSize is, is a uh, sponsor of the show. And MindSize is a, is a full service e commerce shop, right? So, yeah. Um, you know, we know each other through the WordPress space. I know you do a lot of WooCommerce work and you've worked for a few of our friends, um, you know, in the greater hosting space and things like that. Uh, but you don't just do WooCommerce, right? Right. Yeah. We work with pretty much anything that our customers use. So even before MindSize existed, I'd worked on some of the largest WooCommerce and Shopify sites that have existed. Uh, and then MindSize was basically built on top of that technical expertise. It's very few people can walk into a room and talk e-commerce on multiple platforms of running nine-figure stores. It's it's a rare, I mean, talent. It's a rare thing to have any experience in. People can run large sites. They can run load tests of, yeah, we can theoretically handle this amount of load and traffic. And then there's actually taking in millions of dollars of sales in an hour. Uh, yeah. There's a big difference between theory and real life. So we work on a variety of platforms. They've all got their pros and cons. Uh, and we always look and see what platform is going to fit the need of that site. Yeah, so that's actually a great thing to think about, right? Because uh, as we record this, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. That global pandemic drove e-commerce growth. Uh, 77%, I saw uh, Patrick Rowland uh, was telling me, 77% growth in 2020, that's 
about as much as they expected it to grow in four to six years. So yeah. uh, we saw, I mean, stores yeah. doing, I mean, basically their year's worth of sales in the first quarter last year. Wow. Um, I mean, doubling overnight effectively, especially in the grocery space. I saw a lot of uh, grocery chains that were quickly trying to turn digital and get to curbside. And then there were some shops that would literally turn their entire site off effectively and say, we're working on a, a new digital experience, but they couldn't take orders online. Uh, they had the platform and it just buckled under the stress. And that's what we're here to solve. Yeah. So that's super interesting, right? Because actually you mentioned something that um, I also learned in my, so I did a project called WordPress Year in Review uh, and I looked at WooCommerce and the e-commerce space in general. And uh, it it sounds like Bopus, is that what it is? Buy online, pick up curbside? I hadn't heard of that acronym, but okay. uh, I'm sure it exists somewhere. If it didn't exist before, it exists now. <laughs> yeah, right. But I heard that that the biggest growth actually happened there, right? So yeah. it wasn't necessarily lots of people trying to uh, fulfill and ship orders online. It was like people selling their wares and then people coming to pick it up. Is yeah. that that-, that was true of stores big and small. I mean, you see grocery was really picking it up in the beginning, and then other brick-and-mortar stores were adding it. Um, I, I can remember vividly you know, Black Friday, you know, Saturday right after Cyber Monday. Uh, my MacBook actually died right before that, so I needed a laptop to work. Um, wow. I placed an order on Best Buy. It was a deal because it was right then, but I drove to Best Buy to pick it up, which Best Buy previously, I don't think they had pickup in their parking lot, but then they had it. And this is, I mean, it's DFW, sales all over. You imagine the lines that existed in the stores previously. The line was now outside. There was an hour wait to get curbside pickup at Best Buy. There were oh gosh. parking spots numbered up to around 100. So I found a parking spot, uh, and I parked, and then we just sat there and waited for an hour for someone to bring our laptop out. Um, the sales were still happening. And because of COVID, it, they were happening in a parking lot and people bringing stuff out. So just logistics completely changed for all these stores. And I think they expected some of it since they did have parking spots numbered to the 90s and I think 100s. Um, but I wasn't expecting that at all. It's... It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what were what were some of the things that you and your well, first of all, so mind size we were talking about is what eleven ish people. Yeah, we're including myself, eleven people. Uh, only two people in that are non technical, non developers. Uh, the rest of the company, including myself, are developers actively working on our client sites. This episode is brought to you by Restrict Content Pro. If you need a fast, easy way to set up a membership site for yourself or your clients, look no further than the Restrict Content Pro WordPress plugin. Easily create premium content for members using your favorite payment gateway, manage members, send member-only emails, and more. You can create any number of subscription packages, including free levels and free trials. But that's not all. Their extensive add-ons library allows you to do even more like drip out content, connect with any number of CRMs and newsletter tools, including ConvertKit and MailChimp, and integrate with other WordPress plugins like BBPress. 
since the Build Something Club rolled out earlier this year, you can bet it's using Restrict Content Pro, and I have used all of the things mentioned here in this ad read. I have created free levels. I've created coupons. Uh, I use ConvertKit, and I'm using it with BB Press for the forums. I'm a big fan of the team, and I know they do fantastic work. The plugin has worked extremely well for me, and I was able to get memberships up and running very quickly. Right now, they are offering a rare discount for How I Built It listeners only. 20% off your purchase when you use RCP How I Built It at checkout. That's RCP How I Built It, all one word. If you want to learn more about Restrict Content Pro and start making money with your own membership site, head on over to howibuilt.it slash RCP. That's howibuilt.it slash RCP. Thanks to Restrict Content Pro for supporting the show. And now let's get back to it. What, what did you guys see going into the pandemic? Was it a lot of businesses that are like, oh man, I got to get, I need to set up a website? Or was it more like, I'm online and I need to, I need to do something better because my logistics have completely changed. We focused a lot more on the digital for businesses. So they usually had a website and either had e-commerce or needed e-commerce added. Um, we helped a lot with that transition and, and bringing people to digital and selling online where they weren't before. Um, one of the biggest things I learned though from it all, uh, in a lot of meetings with people, I would almost sound like the crazy paranoid person. Like, we're going to build this for scale, even though we're probably not going to scale anytime soon. Mm-hmm. We're going to build it the right way. You don't need 20 web servers, but we're going to build it to at least run on two so that if you ever need it, it's there. We're going to build it in a specific way where it's scalable. We're not going to take the shortcuts. And we lost some work because of it, because we wanted to take what we believed is the right path. Um, when COVID really hit and things really started blowing up. The sites that we were working on and built in that way, we didn't have to go back and make it scalable because it already was. We didn't have to have that transition from, okay, we built the site for X scale. Now we're at 3X. How do we go make it work? We instead took all our efforts with our clients and put them into how to better serve their customers. Instead of figuring out how to sell online, we figured out how to better serve their customers. Uh, We worked with clients to build programs for uh, people to better get their grocery and and other items from the curbside. Uh, Hotlines that people who normally wouldn't order online, seniors, for example, being able to call a phone line and place their order and then pick it up at the store in the parking lot. Instead of having to have that 70-year-old person learn how to order online, they just Mm talk to someone on the phone and place their order. So by building it right, one, it was extremely validating because now I'm not the crazy person. I'm the person who just right. planned right. Um, yeah. But we were better, better able to help people. And as a company, and as we've been changing what mind size is and what we do, that's the thing I'm looking to get out of mind size. You know, I own it. I'm a CEO now. We want to help people. We want to make people's lives better, make the world a better place. And when I talk to clients and you know, I hear the stories of their customers, of the work that we're doing, impacting their lives it it makes everything worthwhile yeah that's that's truly fantastic and that validation is always important i i i mean i'm a developer too right uh not quite at the scale that 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 you do work i I do different kind of development work but you know i think about stuff like that too even the being kind of overly paranoid but not really um even like 
we were going to get together with some friends and I was like, I don't know if we should, blah, 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 pandemic. And it turns out that, you know, some, one of their moms got COVID and I'm like, I feel totally validated now. Like I feel, yeah. uh, it's nice to not actually be the crazy person. Right. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's great. So you, uh, when it comes to kind of scaling, right. Um, how much of that is coding versus the server stack, right? Like, can I set up a Shopify site and hope that, and understand that like they're, they're set up to scale so that I don't get slammed if I'm getting like a thousand orders a minute or something. Yeah, Maybe I mean, a thousand orders a minute is not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's different uh, depending on the platform. So Shopify mm-hmm. scalability is usually handled for you. Uh, okay. I've worked on sites where a single flash sale could bring more volume to the entire platform than their entire platform had in a previous Black Friday sale. I mean, a single wow. site being able to handle that level of traffic broke stuff at the time. However, mm-hmm. they took all their learnings there of caching and their database sharding and everything and put it at the core platform level where every store, in theory, should be able to handle that little of level of traffic immediately and succeed. So for Shopify, scalability is not your problem. What your problem is, is uh, it's very Apple versus Android when you look at Shopify Mm. versus WooCommerce. Shopify is polished. They're very opinionated. This is how you sell. This is how you're going to do things. And if you fit that model, you're going to have the easiest time in the world selling. They integrate with pretty much everything because they're so big. They're going to get those integrations first. I think they were the first platform to have uh, shopping on Instagram. Um, and oh, wow. as a customer, I use shop pay all the time. I go to an e-commerce site I've never been to before. I see the shop pay button. I click it. I type in my email and away I go. I just paid securely. I didn't have to enter anything else after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. WooCommerce, if you don't fit the mold, you need something custom. You need that Android experience of being able to change anything and everything. Uh, but you have to think a bit more carefully about what you're doing and it's less the server stack and it's less, I mean, it is the code, but it's knowing how to architect things. Um, to be honest, when we run servers for our clients, it is pretty much vanilla. We like AWS over Google, uh, but any other one, we use the vanilla services they have, very little customization. And the reason for that is it works. I've proven it works at very high scale. Um, but then also... If our entire team, the mind-sized team, has a trip and we're all on a bus and that bus crashes and we're no longer here, vanilla means that anyone can pick it up that knows AWS and continue serving that customer. Uh, So complexity for the sake of milliseconds doesn't actually gain you too much because you still have to pay for that in the back end of, okay, how do we actually support this? It's 3 a.m., our server's down. Do we call the one person in the world who actually knows how to fix it? Or do we call any sysadmin who can come in and fix that vanilla setup. Um, but really, it's it's summarized in two things in WooCommerce. Database reads and database writes. Write less to your database, read less to your data, from your database, and your site's going to scale. I love that. I love that philosophy. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the server philosophy, yeah. I should say, right? I mean, naturally, right, the more static you can make your site will say the faster it's going to be you're just serving up it it's almost like you're serving up flat files right yeah if you do it right but the 
Uh, servers are vanilla. That reminds me of a conversation I had early on in this show with Pippin Williamson, who I asked him like what his development setup was like. Uh, and this was at a time where like everybody was like grunting or gulping or whatever, and Node.js ran everything or whatever. And I just didn't see, I didn't see why people were doing it that way. And then Pippin really validated me. And, and Patrick, you just validated me more. He said, if my laptop falls into a lake, I want to buy a new one and be up and running in less than an hour. Right. Yeah. And if you like grunt and gulp everything, like it's going to take forever. You got to install homebrew and then figure things out and then update or whatever, like whatever needs to happen to make all that magic stuff work. So um, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and when and my laptop me, died, yeah. actually and I bought that new laptop, I had to do the exact same thing. I have the same exact philosophy there. Get clone, run a few commands, import a database, I'm up and running. I mean, Laravel Valet does everything I need. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, awesome. So uh, Laravel, you've mentioned Laravel. Maybe in the in Build Something More, the members only show, we can talk about Laravel if if the developers and the nerds want to hang out. But uh, uh, I want to get into, we've been talking for a while uh, and we haven't, We, I mean, we, we've we gotten into kind of uh, your experience a bit. Um, for a lot of the people who are not developers who are listening, what should they look for? Uh, let's say uh, in two situations, they don't have an e-commerce shop and they want one or they have an e-commerce shop uh and they want to improve it. So um, let's look at those two people. Let's start with, I don't have an e-commerce shop. What do I look for if I want to start one? So I speak a lot in analogies. It makes it very easy to talk to my clients and get complex scenarios described to them in a way they understand. So I'll use one here too. Building your e-commerce shop is not like buying a car. When you buy your car, if you don't get that feature in the beginning, when you first buy it, you're probably not going to get it later. Uh, unless you own a Tesla and everything's, you know, <laughs> a paywall and every feature. Um, if you don't have you know, air conditioning when you buy your car, you're not going to have it later. If you don't have leather seats now, you're not going to get it later. Your e-commerce site or any WordPress site or pretty much any site at all is not that. It's something you can gradually build on. So we talk to a lot of people who want a site that's everything in the kitchen sink, uh, every feature possible, single sign-on of 20 different social networks, you're doing two things there. One, you're adding a whole lot of bloat to your site. It's just not going to help. And two, you're losing focus of what you're actually trying to do. By adding so many bells and whistles, just focus on what your business is. What's the minimum that you can do to get this out and launch it? And then continue to make data-driven decisions based on what you add next. So that will ultimately give you a faster site because there's less code. And then also you're going to have a cheaper build in the upfront. You don't have to pay for 50 features if you can get by with three. And then you can get live faster, start making money faster if it's e-commerce at least, and then use that to continually reinvest in the business, either in the business itself or the digital side of it. Um, but if you already have a site, whether you added 50 bells and whistles or not, the simplest thing you could do, whether you're a developer or not, is install Query Monitor. Just install Query Monitor, browse around your site. Does it, turn, uh, does it turn colors on you? Is it turning orange? Is it turning red? 
Uh, I think there's like five different colors it can turn. If it's turning a color in your admin bar, something's wrong. Uh, if it's red, there's errors. If it's orange, uh, it's slow queries. So first, see if it's turning colors. If it is, it'll tell you why, and then you'll probably need to talk to a developer about fixing it. Um, if it's just slow and not turning colors, look at the numbers at the very top. How many queries are there? How much time is it taking to run? On average, if your page is using over 100 database queries to build itself, find a way to get less. If your homepage takes more than 50 to 70 queries, get that number down. And just think of everything exponentially. It's not if one user has 100 queries to build a page. It's if 100 users or 1,000 users get to it. If you can knock 20% of your queries off, that exponential savings is what will keep your site online when there's a global pandemic and now you have five times the traffic. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into keyboard shortcuts called snippets. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. With Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take back your time and increase your productivity in the new year. And let me just say that Snippets is not all it does. With advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and much more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, Hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my keyboard and convert it to plain text, so I'm no longer fighting formatting. Plus, if you have employees or contractors, you can use Text Expander to manage and share snippets with them so you all get it right every time. I've recently started sharing Text Expander snippets with my virtual assistant. This year, How I Built It is focusing on being productive while working from home. Text Expander is the perfect tool for that. Plus, they're providing resources and blog posts to help you make the most of their tool and be productive. Text Expander is available on Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now is the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. First of all, great analogy. I think that's, it's really important, right? Because you hear it all the time, right? I want all this, 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 and this. All right, let's just start with the first thing that you absolutely need. We're just going to make it so that you can accept payments online, right? Um, yeah. in, when I recommend a podcasting strategy to people who uh, have very little money to spend, right? Uh, they probably don't want that monthly hosting bill. I'll usually say something like, start on Anchor have a plan to get off of Anchor fast. Um, just be- I mean, just because it's not your platform, right? And if it's free, if if the product is free, then you're the product or whatever. Um, is is that a reasonable path to take with e-commerce too? Like start 
on something that's like cheaper and easier to to spin up like Shopify or whatever um, or Squarespace stores. Like I don't really know the pricing off the top of my head Um, and then move to WooCommerce. Do you think that's reasonable or should we just start on WooCommerce because of the technical, the not technical debt, but the migration path is a bigger pain in the neck. It depends on where you're heading. Uh, If you are going to have a site and you know, you're going to have subscriptions in it, but you don't want to start with subscriptions out of the gate, I wouldn't start on Shopify first because you will have to move off to get a good experience. Shopify and subscription Mm -hmm. sites, you can do it if you want to have two completely different checkouts and have a customer that has to have two different wallets of cards and they can't share them. That's a terrible experience. Uh, If you just want to get up and online, cost-wise, it's probably negligible about the cost to build a site on one platform or the other, depending on what you're doing. at scale, I mean, at small sites, if you're just throwing up a site, I'm sure you can find the nickels and dimes that you can compare back and forth. Sure. For a reasonable size business, something that is large enough that it can be your sole income. At the end of the day, it's not going to make that much difference. Shopify, you're going to pay a monthly fee, but you don't have to pay hosting on WooCommerce. WooCommerce, you have to pay more upfront for plugins. There's usually an annual fee for support and updates. Shopify. It's lower monthly because you have to pay monthly, but then it ends up being the same. I think it actually ends up being more expensive on Shopify. I did a okay. comparison. If you go back far enough in my Twitter feed, I did that comparison to someone on Twitter. Um, and I think it ended up being Shopify was like 30% more expensive for a subscription site. Um, but start wherever you can. If you can get a site up on any platform, start on the one you think you're going to end up long term. Then you don't have to worry about replatforming later. But if you can get up now on Shopify and we'll have to move later, everything's exponential. No matter what we're doing, the sales you start now, just like your savings account, will continue to build on each other and you'll get more word of mouth, more marketing, even SEO. You'll have more age with your business. Mm -hmm. Um, Start now, start getting sales in the door. So then later you can get even more sales. Any sales is better than no sales. Any sales is better than no sales. That's, I mean, that's perfect. Um, you mentioned subscription specifically, uh, but even if you're switching like, m- let's say subscription plugins or membership plugins, uh, you still you still might run into the issue of having to migrate users, right? Like if yeah. they if they've uh, verified or um, if they've accepted like auto payments monthly through one plugin and then you switch plugins, they're going to have to redo that anyway in some cases, right? Unless maybe yeah, you're using Stripe for everybody. It's tricky. There's a migration yeah. no matter what. Replatforming costs generally don't benefit your customers much. It's going to yeah. cost a fair bit for you to do it. Customers aren't even going to care or notice. Sure, maybe it's a slicker interface. Your website's a little bit faster. They're already paying you. They don't care. Right. Um, avoid replatforming if you can. But not at the expense of just not even starting your business. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, again, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, you know, something, I, so I always, I always wonder, this is a small tangent before we get into, uh, well, I guess what's going to be like the tail end of this conversation because <laughs> we've been talking for a while. Um, but I always, I always was kind of annoyed that like WooCommerce memberships and WooCommerce subscriptions were two different plugins because it was like double the cost for me. 
But then LearnDash, uh, which is my online course platform, uh, or LMS, rolled out memberships as part of the plugin. And I could dump um, WooCommerce memberships because the only reason I was using WooCommerce memberships was to like create access to all of my courses, which I needed custom code for anyway. Uh, so I was able to like replatform the membership part without messing up my monthly subscribers because WooCommerce subscriptions was still at the root of that. Um, I don't know that I worded that right. Basically, I was able to replatform part of it because the subscriptions was decoupled from the memberships. Yeah, it's all, I mean, in this case, you couldn't really plan ahead for that because they came out with the feature. Right. Um, but any planning you can do at the beginning of what gives you the best long-term roadmap and the most options will usually work out better in your favor. Um, we do the same with data uh, when we're looking at, you know, we're building a large site. We have a lot of data involved. How do we plan this? Um, your data is going to grow exponentially. It, do you need... 20 metas to be saved on an order every single order to do these features that you don't even know if you're going to do. And then you think about the exponential side of it, 20 metas per order times a thousand orders a day times however many days you're doing sales, your database now is growing exponentially and all your other costs continue to rise. So we, we always try and look at the big picture. Uh, we generally don't do like individual task work for clients because that one little feature if you're not thinking about the big picture, you're probably going to miss something. Um, we had that experience recently with a client where they asked for a feature and we built something that achieved it, but we built it in a very specific way that ultimately gives them even more flexibility, uh, more abilities in their site. And they actually asked the question in a call, like, why did you choose to do it this way? It's a better result, but we didn't ask for this yet. You gave us something that serves it and more. And that's because we've been working with them for months and we know where they're headed and what the goals are. And we can take all that into account. Yeah, I think that's great. And I mean, planning, you've mentioned it a couple times now, planning for the future is so important. It's, I tell people that I was always most successful at selling my security package to clients after they had some incident, like they deleted their site accidentally or whatever. Uh, and I happen to have like an early backup or their site got hacked. Uh, and then they saw the value in paying me to make sure it didn't happen again. But um, planning on the front end is, like you said, insanely important, not just for um, for the unknown, right? Like the kind of known unknowns or whatever, but for you were able to spend your time servicing your clients' customers better because you you. You took the right moves early on. You made the right investments. Yeah. And it is a bit easier for us compared to the typical WordPress agency. If you think back five mm -hmm. years ago or even further, they're selling sites to businesses and you're always going to have that executive in the boardroom of, you know, we've been selling in our stores for 50 years. Why do we need a website now? The internet's a fad. It's going to go away. Uh, yeah. So why are we building a website? Uh, for us yeah. in the e-commerce side, we can sit there and say, you know, we did this work. Here's the data to show that that actually increased your sales by Y percent, which plus that other work we did that increased it Z percent. You know, you can show the value of the work being done, whereas you know, a landing page or a, 
a blog is harder to do that. There's a lot easier calculations for ROI on e-commerce than there is before. So we are benefiting a bit from that. Uh, and we can show in a project or two, here's the ROI of the work we've done so we can prove it and, and get more work going forward. Um, it's I'll gladly take that as uh, <laughs> my benefit over trying to sell normal sites, which I say as we're trying to get into selling more normal sites. <laughs> <laughs> we're known for e-commerce and 90% of our work is people saying, I've got a site and it's slow. Patrick, please save me. Um, mm, what I keep telling people is uh, if you build it right the first time, you don't have to be saved. This episode is brought to you by MindSize. Look, it's super important for stores to have an online presence these days. If customers can't buy online, they might not buy at all. And while doing e-commerce fast has gotten easier, doing e-commerce right still has its considerable challenges. That's where MindSize comes in. They are a full-service digital agency that focuses on WordPress and WooCommerce development. But that's not all. They work with Shopify, BigCommerce, and more. And they'll work with you to create the perfect strategy and website for your business. Already have an e-commerce site and want to make sure it's up and running in tip-top shape? Their flat rate site audit is exactly what you need. Over the course of two weeks, they'll dive into every aspect of your site and deliver a prioritized list of actionable recommendations to make your site even better. That means more sales and engagement for you and your store. Or if you're a freelancer or agency who feels in over your head with an e-commerce build, their agency support plan is built specifically for you. There were a few times in my career where I really could have used that. They'll take a high-stress situation and help you relax while still delivering for your client. So check out MindSize over at MindSize.com today. They will help you make more money, whether you need an e-commerce store, whether you need to improve your current e-commerce store, or if you build e-commerce stores for others. That's MindSize.com, M-I-N-D-S-I-Z-E.com. Thanks so much to MindSize for supporting the show. Before we wrap up here, I do want to ask you about a couple of uh, interesting services that you offer, and I'm wondering how you put them together. Uh, sure. So this is like where the title question could be, right? How did you build it? Uh, one is the site audit, right? Which is a two-week process where you audit an e-commerce site. And the other is kind of the white label uh, agency service. So uh, let's talk about the site audit first. Um, how did you kind of come up with that? And what's the process for it? Sure. So we've been doing site audits basically since the beginning of MindSize. Um, it's... The process we've refined over the years is the process I had before MindSize existed of how to look at a site and really drill down at the high level what we're trying to solve. Um, in that two weeks, it's not two weeks of hardcore diving into code, looking at every single thing. It's not a line-for-line -line review of the site. It's looking at the analytics, looking at the data, looking at where the site is, where they want to take it, and determining what issues we see for one at the high level. Um, we're not going to find every single security flaw, and that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for, if you were to look at a chart of all the issues on a site, we're looking for the mountain peaks. We're mm -hmm. looking for the big issues that we can solve and get those out of the way. You're going to find more afterwards, but um, we look to 
speed up the site, make it more scalable as a business and as a website. Um, if we do that right, at the end of the two weeks, we're going to deliver a report. It's going to say, here's all our findings. Here's what we recommend. And every report also includes, you know, here's our prioritized list. If this were our business, this is the order in which we would solve things in a timeline we would solve them. And usually it's in this month, we do this. In the next three months, this. Six months, 12 months, however long we need to go out, depending on how many issues there are. Um, so we'll list it out. And of course, we're a business. At the very end of it, it's going to say, we also recommend a retainer of this size. Mm-hmm. This is how we can yeah. achieve everything we just said in the timeline we just said. Um, I tell everyone that we're going to do that at the beginning so they're not surprised. But this audit, you right. can take anywhere. It's a flat rate. It's two weeks. We'll dive into your site. We'll figure out what's wrong and tell you how to make it better. And then we can do it. We've worked with uh, companies who had their own internal development teams, and we assisted them to knock out the work. Uh, yeah. And others have just taken it straight to their own development teams. Yeah, I, I I mean that makes sense, um, right? For for situations like that, it's it's almost like there. It's like a discovery phase, right? A paid discovery phase where I will tell you everything that you need to do. Uh, here's your whole plan. I can do it because I just looked at the site and I know how I'm going to do it. Or you could take it to another site, another agency who will do it maybe cheaper or differently, or or you've worked with them before. So yeah. Um, it's it, it almost sounds like this is like the car inspection, right? Where you're not going to fix like the the stains on the seats or uh, or whatever, but uh, if it if I need new brakes and rotors, like that's the thing that your site audit will uncover and you'll mention in the report. Exactly. Yeah, and we've found things from uh, APIs that didn't need to exist. The absolute worst offender was, uh, I think, you know, as developers, sometimes we get specs that have buzzwords in them. And mm-hmm. I think this one included REST API. So they found okay, a way great. to use the REST API, but the way they did it, it needed to uh, talk to an external database. So they made a REST API endpoint that served database credentials that were already hard-coded into the site. Oh. Um, the REST API endpoint had no authentication, so you could just get it you know, for free. Wow. <laughs> Um, and then code within the site, I'm pretty sure it's in the same exact plugin, actually would make a HTTP call to the REST API endpoint, which then bootstrapped the site again to then get the database credentials to then put them into a SQL query. Oh my gosh. So we find some crazy stuff sometimes. Um, we obviously fix that. <laughs> um, yeah. We find security issues sometimes. We flag it right away. We don't wait for the end of the two weeks, but... Yeah, so that was a, that's what I was going to ask. Did you like yeah. find it and you were like, put it in the report or you were like, uh, guys, <laughs> this is like the worst thing I've ever seen? Yeah, we, we found a few cases like that where we've actually reached out and usually we start the audit and we ask questions along the way, but we don't do too much, try not to get too much bias. Uh, and at the end of the audit, we do a one-hour call just going over everything with the store owner. But in those cases, we reach out, we let them know. We'll usually have some sort of fix ready or a recommended fix. Uh, so we do sometimes find the granular, but we're usually not looking for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, uh, that story reminded me of a, a site that I was working on for some some people I worked for at <laughs> some point. Um, where the where there were like, it was, they were taking donations and... Uh, the credit card information was stored in a plain text file on the server. And I was like, I like immediately brought it to like the manager and I was like, this is 
this is bad for a lot of reasons, but like number one is like you're like violating, like this is not PCI compliant. This is a data security issue. Like this is really bad. Yeah, it's so. unfortunately, I think we've all got stories like that. It, we've run into it too. Uh, I've been running into those as long as I've been working on WooCommerce, mm-hmm. um, which is starting around like version 1.1. Wow. Um, yeah, there's... Which, yeah, it's just like crazy because like the first time a client brought that to me, I was still in college and they were like, you know, they said that they were like raffling off a house, uh, like a million dollar home and PayPal viewed that as gambling so we couldn't use PayPal. So they're like, well, why don't we just like save the credit card information then we could process it on our end on like our machine. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like we're not allowed to do that. It's bad. People's credit cards will get stolen. And like, I knew that as like a college kid, I just don't understand how it gets to a point where, uh, I mean, I guess it's just like my nephew can make a site and he's just going to do whatever I tell him to do. But it's that, uh, the guy I mentioned or referred to before, the executive in the boardroom that thinks the internet's a fad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now let's just yeah. get the credit cards. Uh, we'll yeah. run them. That that's a good point, actually. The 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 CEO of that company is the person who made that recommendation. Yeah, uh, and I was like, and I was thankfully for them and me. Uh, I was like, you can't do that. Which which brings me to your next service, right? The white label e-commerce, because that project, uh, to use an Italian term, gave me agita. Uh, I like once I saw that it was going sideways, it like made me actually sick to my stomach. It was like the highest stakes site I'd ever worked on. And I didn't have like the breadth of experience I thought I needed. Uh, and I really could have probably used your white label service. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, I don't remember where I first heard this phrase, but, it, uh, experience is what you needed when you didn't have it. Um, <laughs> So I've talked to a number of site owners, agency owners. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people in the e-commerce space. And, you know, mind size, we're 11 people. We're not a tiny company, but we're not a huge company. Um, we are, we consider ourselves experts in the work we're doing. So we charge accordingly and we're not the cheapest. We're not the most expensive either. But there's a lot of work that other people can do with some simple guidance, something where, you know, you can build it. Like, Joe, you've got development skills. If I told you how to build something, you could build it. You just need the blueprint mm-hmm. for how to build it, which you don't right. have. And as a company and me personally, I try and give back a lot to the community. My entire career is built on the community effectively. I I got a lot of information from it. Uh, I'm the developer I am today with a lot of the code reviews I got previously. Um so I try and get back to the community. I try and do a lot of talks, just sharing information. But at the end of the day, there's only so much I can share. Our agency support plan, though, it's $4.99 a month and basically gets you direct access to the MindSize architects. So in our projects, we have the project manager, we have an architect and a project lead, and then the developers on it. So an architect would be someone like myself. Uh, I can take the business needs and turn it into the architectural plans for a project or a, a task that we're doing. Once we have that spec, we can then work with the project manager and project lead to turn it into what the tasks are and have de- developers do it. So with this plan, 
500 bucks a month, you get five support hours with our architects. You know, you could use those for asking, hey, I need to build this plugin. How do I make sure it's scalable? It could be, what kind of hosting should I look for for this type of site? Um, One of the first questions I ask when we're hiring and I'm in second interviews is, what is your recommended hosting? And Mm -hmm. for 90% of people in our interviews, it's usually a shared hosting. And there's different levels. I get all the way from Bluehost to GoDaddy to SiteGround, one-on-one, all the big names have popped up. Um, That goes to show even people who are getting to our second interviews of senior developers may not know what the best hosting for a different type of site is. Um, And our architects do. So five hours a month, you can ask quite a few questions. If you think, if you were to ask me, what do I do to find out how the site is slow? And I tell you, install Query Monitor, look for pretty colors. That's We can have that conversation in five to 15 minutes. Um, Right, right. So it gets that benefit of being able to ask questions to people you trust. We'll get an answer to you within a day, um, you know, business days. I think for most people, we'll get a Slack channel set up too, so there's quick and easy access. Uh, but what I've learned the most from other business owners and agency owners is we have nowhere to turn for this stuff. We'll try Slack. We'll try different communities. We'll try online. And I wish I could just ask these questions. Um, $500 for me for some people, it's too expensive. For small mom and pop shop, they're probably not going to pay five hundred dollars for support. Um, right. But for a decent sized agency that just needs this extra level of support, it seemed like the right price point. Um, and on top of that, I actually saw recently um, in some of the Facebook groups I'm in with different you know, smaller freelancers and agency owners, how do you take vacation if you're solo? <laughs> um, uh, who do you give your clients off to? So with our agency support plan, we also have uh, an opportunity for getting our development hours at a discounted rate. So if you need to just have us do some work for you, either for a large project or for someone who just wants someone to watch the ship while they're away and having a yeah. a vacation they deserve to finally take, um, our team's available to help with that too. So we know a lot. We think we're experts in what we do. And we're trying to share that in a way that benefits everyone involved. Because um, you're probably not going to ask the same question multiple times. So yeah. uh, once we answer something for you, you're going to learn from that, continue to know it, it'll better your business as well. Yeah, I think that's great. And there's two points I want to just kind of drive home here. $500 a month, you say, might seem expensive to maybe like freelancers or small mom and pop shops. But if you can sell an e-commerce site, right? That's, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to anchor a price to an e-commerce site. But when people come to me, I say an e-commerce site's at least $10,000 for me to do the basics whatever, right? Um, One guy came to me and needed like 10,000 products, like medical products on the site. And I was like, that's going to be $30,000. He's like, that's expensive. And I'm like, it is $3 per product. It's $3 per product is what I'm charging you, right? Um, But uh, if you sell an e-commerce site, you're probably selling it where you can add in that extra 500 bucks a month to get access to, to deliver an even better site the value that you are going to add by paying that 500 bucks is going to be much more than 500 bucks to the client. Yeah, and it's, if you think of the hourly rate, someone who's going to be interested in this is probably charging. It's going to be somewhere, I'm assuming, 50 to 75 to like $100, $125 an hour. 
$500 monthly, that's an hour to a week extra. Uh, If we can answer questions for you that can get you back an hour to a week to better serve your own clients, it immediately has ROI. Right, exactly. Spend that hour, go on a podcast. That's a little bit of marketing to maybe get more clients, right? Uh, That's what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the other the other thing is you mentioned uh, taking vacation time and getting people to cover for you. I think this is another important thing that it's easy for solo shops to overlook, but uh, find somebody like a friend or or um, mind size. Like when I when I went on my honeymoon, two weeks in Italy, did not even take my laptop. I barely had internet. I asked my friend Matt Pritchett. Fort Worth native, right? Uh, I think he's living in Tennessee now. Um, sorry, Matt, you've moved a lot and I've lost track. <laughs> um, but uh, I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, uh, can I, I'll just like forward my emails to you. And if there's like a problem with one of my client sites, do the work, I'll pay you when I get home. And there were, shocker, there were no insane emergencies, right? Um so just, I think it's really important. It's, it's maybe hard for some people, but take that time. Take that time to yourself. Yeah, we're, we're all working too hard. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, between the work I was doing prior to MindSize and then starting an agency and then also just getting through a pandemic. Um, I mean, as a business, not all businesses were as fortunate as we were to survive even in 2020. Mm-hmm. But I took my first vacation where I wasn't working in 10 years last year. Wow. I, I, I spent a week. I did have my laptop on me, uh, so I didn't go that far. I'm too paranoid to not bring it with. <laughs> um, but I trusted the team we have. Uh, yeah. Over the course of 2020, we put a lot of processes and policies in place that enabled me to finally take a vacation. Um, I mean, I had taking trips to Disney and I was sitting in our resort room working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I worked from the, uh, the Disney vacation club members lounge in Epcot. Like one day I had my laptop with me. It was like kind of planned. Like it was like a half vacation day, but I had my laptop with me and yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I mean, working at Disney world makes working a little less bad, but I'd still rather be. Yeah. It's better not to, but walking down Main Street with my phone out on Slack trying to tell someone how to reboot a server, (laughs) that's uh, (laughs) not what I should be doing on Main Street. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I do need to ask you my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? I've kind of given them away a little bit. Um, But at the end of the day, for an e-commerce site or any site, Keep it simple. I mean, that's number one. Simplicity is going to make everything better. I run into that every week where someone's trying to overthink a problem or you know, clients building content. Um, had a scenario yesterday, uh, someone of one of our clients building content on a page and the page builder's alert block that was there, when you click dismiss, it would throw the page out of whack a bit. So I asked the question, do you need a dismissible? No. 
Okay, so don't make it dismissible. It's simpler content, and it's not going to break. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we could spend five hours figuring out why the dismiss button is making the content go out of whack, but we have a problem now, so we solve it now with a simple solution. Um, and number two is just look at your database queries. If you have an e-commerce site and it's on WooCommerce, install Query Monitor. It's free. It's not that hard to use. How many queries are you running? How much can you get rid of? The less you do by keeping it simple, your site's going to go farther and be faster. Love it. I, and Query Monitor is fantastic. I think Brian Richards, friend of the show, uh, recommended that plugin to me when I was running, when I was having some issue. Um, well, this has been fantastic. We, uh, what we haven't touched on, which we'll touch on and build something more, is uh, you recently went through a rebrand. Uh, and I would love to hear more about that because I just signed up as we record this for Design Pickle. So now I have a uh, a graphic designer who I love his work, and uh, and I'm just so excited to like have all of the things that I designed, which is basically just like a font like redesigned right from a real person, uh, a real graphic designer. So excited to talk about that and build something more. But first, uh, Patrick, where can people find you? I'm usually on Twitter. Uh, my personal tag is PM Garman, uh, G-A-R-M-A-N. I am not a GPS. And <laughs> you can also find MindSize there at MindSizeMe. And then uh, my own website, pmgarman.me and MindSize.com. All right. I will have links to that, those, and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 211. If you want to catch my discussion with Patrick on the rebrand and build something more, and you are not yet a member, you can sign over, uh, sign up over at buildsomething.club. Uh, thanks so much to our sponsors for this episode, Text Expander, Restrict Content Pro, and of course, Mind Size. Thanks so much for listening. Patrick, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. And until next time, get out there and build something. Mm-hmm.